What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders, from ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities. CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Spoilers ahead for the first Toy Story and potentially other Toy Stories. Welcome to another episode of Screenwriters Rewatch, a series where we delve into the top 200 IMDb film list and pull out some classics, see if they stand up in film history. But before we get into all of that, don't forget, please, to like, share, subscribe, all of that good stuff. We're over on TikTok now as well. We're on uh, Instagram Reels we're doing, and we're putting out some YouTube shorts as well, so you can find us in all kinds of different places. You can also find these in audio form on uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, things like that. And if you are listening in audio form, then you can find our faces on YouTube. It's so exciting. We're sitting here now. Aren't we? Aren't we? We're handsome. We're handsome and we're ready to go. So it's... <laughs> you can find us over there. Um, at the end of this episode, uh, if you can stick with us, then we will uh, be deciding uh, on um, whether or not this film belongs in the legendary, by this point, script department vaults, otherwise known as Andy's Toy Box, which is very exciting. But I'm here today with us, Seam. We're going to strap a rocket to our backs, full with style to the iconic sounds of Toy Story. Uh, so, hey, man, nice to see you. Thanks for joining me today. Same here, man. Same. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you. It's a very interesting, uh, you know, concept for Toy Story, and I've been a, for a long time trying to get away to talk about it. And I think this is the right moment. So, yeah. Awesome. That's that's so exciting. So, what are you bringing? We always start with these episodes with uh, with asking what are you bringing to the rewatch. This is a, a it's a quite an old film now. You know, nineteen ninety five. A lot of people grew up on this. So, are you one of those people that grew up with it, or are you a a parent that's come to it later? What's what are you bringing to this rewatch? What's your baggage? Uh, for me, I think when when it came out, I was like maybe in thirteen, fourteen, and that mm -hmm. age. So we don't have cinemas back in Saudi Arabia, so you have to wait for the CDs at that time, VHS and CDs. So it came out so. I had to wait for it so I could go and buy it and try to see where it's going. And it was amazing to see how the animation from the West is actually developing. Like not because we grew up uh, for me and and the entire Middle East grew up on Japanese animation. Okay. So uh, for American kind of animation wasn't very popular. But I grew up in the states, so I grew up on the good old uh, He-Man, Thundercats, uh, uh, Justice League, and uh, Transformers. So I know the American way, but this one is different. It's a 3D. Um, you don't you don't see a lot of. I think they are one of the beginning of of having 3Ds in, in their animation. So mm -hmm. 
it was a revolution like in, in every way and perspective. Uh, but I was taken by not just the story, but the characters from, yeah. the, from the get-go. And I think this is a very uh, pivotal point that we are going to talk about because the characters are what makes us watch this movie. You know, how they interact with each other. But as long as I go and, and becoming more older, watching the second, the third, then I watched the fourth one with my kids. So yeah. it's a different experience and a different perspective for me. So if I'm going to say if I'm a kid, I would like to say leave it as it is. But if I'm like now adult, yeah. I learned so much from it. But at the same time, I want to change things, like especially with this one that 1995 came out. So it's it makes sense that we can do some alteration, uh, add more development along these, you know, I think more than 20 years until... Uh, to uh, Toy Story Four, so yeah, yeah, uh, it's a, it was a long road to get from uh, yeah. from that original film, and and you're right, I think it was, if not the first, one of the first. I know yeah. Pixar have done a lot of um of uh, of lovely short stuff um beforehand. Mm -hmm. If you get a chance to, I don't know if you've seen them, but oh, they're just wonderful, wonderful little short animations. My favorite is the mm -hmm. one with the unicycle. Go check it out; it's really good. Mm -hmm. But the um the I mean, I I I came to this through a slightly different path, I suppose. I um I was and I'm going to age myself here a wee bit. I was, I think, three years old when this film was made. Just, uh, and, and so I, I have never known a world without Toy Story in, in that sense. Yeah. And I grew up, I, don't, I have no concept of when I saw this film for the first time because I was probably about three years old. Um, mm -hmm. And so this, this, has been, this is one of those things that is just a backbone of, of childhood and things like that. And I watched it many, many times over the years, eagerly went to the cinema uh, for three and four, um, have my heart broken by three and four, and <laughs> and it's you know it's that wonderful kind of Pixar thing. And you're so right, you know it's the when you're a kid and you watch a movie like this, you, you know it's it's the bright colors, it's you know it's the wonderful thing. But you and you go for that, you go for this groundbreaking three dimensional CGI animation, which is which is wonderful and holds up as well. I mean, it looks yeah. so great still. Like the the human faces are a bit terrifying but the but you know mm -hmm. the 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 toys and everything and the, the mechanics of it really really stand up and you mm -hmm. go for that and you go to enjoy that but you stick around for those characters and and those characters that and that ensemble that wonderful ensemble that they build um that start yes. this movie and that's that's why it's so cool to have the opportunity to look at this film in isolation i suppose and kind of go well what works about this and why is it still here and maybe what doesn't work you know and i think mm -hmm. let's start let's let's start to those with those characters so we've got kind of themes running through this thing of uh, of friendship and there's you know it's a coming of age tale for, yes. uh, for in a lot of different ways um and woody we enter on this thing and woody is in charge he is he's the top mm -hmm. dog in andy's bedroom um yeah presumably just because he is Andy's favorite toy at that moment in time. And he has this self-entitlement and things like that. I would argue the thing I noticed on this rewatch is that Woody is not a very likable character for like a exactly this movie. Like what, I mean, what do you think? Look, when we first meet him, like you want to be a leader mm -hmm. and you know that where he's coming from. But once you start to notice that, Oh, uh, especially now when you do the rewatch and, got all this knowledge behind you oh okay this guy have a lot of ego you know and it gets so bad when uh light buzz in uh, comes into the scene and this is where the huge you know conflict starts and and he's like 
there's another alpha dog in, in the team yeah. coming in and he want to take my place and he want to take my girl and he want to take my, unless my, my gang. So I know the feeling, you know, I, I used to be, I, I don't, I don't want to say I want to be the center of attraction, attention, but at the same time, I understand his feelings, you know, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I, I'm, I'm with you. He's unlikable. But as we grow up, like I see two story, there's Toy Story two and three and four. He kind of reduced that kind of ego. Yeah. Like he's been broken so many times. Well, I think I, the first I broke like. Film, I think he, he's yeah. already there. Yeah. Isn't he? By the end of this movie, yes. he, he's been through. This is what you know. This is the coming of age. He's he's reached yes. that moment. He's he's his arc of this thing, which you're quite right, continues on to those mm-hmm. later films is that he's not everything. He is not all out. Yes. And it takes a, you know, takes a village. Like it takes a, exactly. and, and that kind of thing. It's, it's such a, it's such an important um, thing. And you're quite right. It continues on. Yeah. Sorry. I interrupted. Um, no, no worries. I mean, I, I like how it, uh, how we first see him like as a leader. I think that that time, like, because it came out after Lion King and everyone is looking at the leaders, that leader of the pack. And this guy's like the leader of the pack, the, the mafioso, let's say, mm. then, and suddenly, you know, when 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 uh, Bud Laser comes in, and and this is where the entire thing changes, like the entire theme, the entire uh, around the toys are how they are now treating Woody. Yeah, beside this guy, and even with uh, Andy, how he's treating him now, he's not his favorite toy anymore. Like, yeah, like, yeah. is, is it? So it means like if you see it from a father's perspective, it's like you have your older son. Then when second son comes in, he takes all the attention. So the first time will have, especially if they are too close. Yeah. Uh, like if there, but if there is a lot of years, you know, between them, I don't think any kind of jealousy. Uh, but I think when they are too close to each, like one year, two years difference, there's a lot of jealousy. And this is like, it's like almost like Andy is the father and um, and and uh, Woody and, and all the toys are his kids. So, but, but those two kids are like almost got de- de- develop, you know, delivered at the same time or almost like one year ahead. So there's a lot of kind of uh, jealousy and, and yeah, everyone want to have be the big dog. Everyone, everyone want to be the center of attention. Uh, uh, everyone want to call the shots, and this is like what they want to do. But uh, I like I like how Buzz, uh, Buzz actually is, is dealing with him. Like he's taking it too cool, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I like how it's like he's he's pushing Woody's buttons every time. Like he's yeah. cracking him, and not, I think I know he's doing it though. I think that's the that's the no, great. No. You have that yeah, and, and Buzz as a character, you know, Buzz's arrival, you're quite right. He, that is, that is, he's the catalyst for change, right? He's the, he's the yeah. guy who comes in, upsets the status quo. Um, that's mm-hmm. the kind of the, the inciting incident for everything that follows on is the arrival exactly. of Buzz Lightyear, this kind of, and, and it is a very, it's an interesting, like, um, it's an interesting thing because you have these two characters that are worlds apart, Woody and Buzz, this kind of odd couple you've got yeah. this futuristic plastic toy next to this uh, this wooden doll that is, you know, kind of a bit of wood, a bit of everything. And, you know, you see that brilliant animation run that he does. Mm-hmm. It's, it's so cool. And you find out later, obviously in Toy Story 2, that it's, he's much, much older than we ever, than we ever thought he was, yes. um, which is really interesting. So you see that kind of uh, dynamic there. And, and I just want to pick mm-hmm. up on 
on something you said there because you said it's as though Woody and Buzz are like the uh, the two the two kids and the toys are like the the kids and everything, which is mm. so interesting because I had a totally different read on that, and mine was that he um that that uh, would the the toys act as though they're the parent of Andy. They exactly. are have these different these different elements. You know, Woody's whole thing is like and I think and I think this is a this is one of the reasons why because Pixar's thing, right, is that they they you go for the kids, but you stay as an adult because of the themes and the characters and things like that. And the things that you read into it, as we were saying earlier on. And I think that one of the things that really works as for Woody as a character is the the fact that you as a parent completely relate to him. Because you want you want him to be you want to be everything you're used to you know you have this little child and you're used to being his everything and eventually that kid grows up and doesn't need you anymore and you know you, exactly. you have to move on with your life and that is the arc that you know follows Woody throughout this whole thing um but all of the toys and then you know so it's it's interesting it's interesting to to hear a slightly different angle on than that and both completely yeah. valid. No, you're right. You know, when we see them in the beginning, it's like they are the kids of Andy. But by the end, we realize that Woody realized that he needs to let go of Andy because he's getting older. You know, he's getting into maturity, you know. And along the, the films, Toy Story 2 and 3 or 4, we realize that Andy is not the, the small kid who is playing. He needs to leave. So in the end, they go into Story 4 when they go to Bonnie and they realize, and he needs to adapt to this new environment. Mm. And as you said, like, we need to leave our kids, like, they're going to grow up, and they're going to leave, so we need to be uh, understanding. But it actually works, like, both ways. Uh, if you see it, like, from a parent perspective or if you see it from a children's perspective. So um, it's, a, it's just brilliant how they worked it without having it on the nose, to be honest. And yeah. I actually I respect that in what they did, and it's uh, it's very good writing, and it's, it's not br- easy to it's do. Brilliant! It's brilliant writing, it's you know. N- and, it's not and easy to do. It's yeah, masterclass in subtlety. The 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 Toy Story. Mm-hmm. I mean, Pixar, generally speaking, you know, we actually covered mm-hmm. um, Wally on on uh, Screen oh. Up, which it might be the episode just last uh, last this one. So if you like Pixar, then you know we we've got a couple of these now. Um, and uh, and I think subtlety is one of those things. You know, the the kind of the the hidden elements of these films that are that are woven throughout it, and I think this is that moment when we're really, really early on, and Pixar begins to kind of put in these little Easter eggs, we might call them now, but, um, yes. but you know things like that. For example, I noticed on on going through. Obviously, I've seen this film probably over a hundred times in my in my life. Wow. Like you know, we used to, it was one of my favorite films growing up, and so we you know we ran we ran out. My sister and I like broke the videotape playing this you know, we, we were like staring at it and it's just like static and you're looking at it and going i think it's that bit when they're uh when they're on the rocket <laughs> and um mm-hmm. so you know it, it's seen a lot of time but that i think is the beauty of watching and going back to a film like this is there's always something else and i noticed this time around the carpet in sid's house is the same carpet from the shining it's exactly the okay. same pattern and yeah. and i think that's such a clever yes visual detail because again as an adult you're looking at this film the kids don't notice that the kids the kids don't care you know who cares what the carpet is let's find out you know if they're going to get exploded or not that's the thing but for the parents it's a really subtle psychological um clue to the fact that something isn't right in this house 
and you know you get the you get the dad Sid's dad in his in his chair and he's got the beer cans and everything and you know the TV's on he's asleep and we know it's the morning and you know or or certainly it's not nighttime and you know so it kind of yeah. leads into his character and things like that in a kids movie and it, and I think this is this for me is that you know Woody goes on to call these toys like the his his Sid's toys cannibals he calls his own friend zealots at one point you know these are things that just go straight over the kids heads and this i think is the beginning of this and we get this coming out in i think this was the moment in cinema where it was declared you can't just half-ass kids movies you have to make mm. them worth it and this was pixar kind of going here's what we're going to do what a legacy for this film you know yes exactly exactly and a lot of uh, as you said like uh, easter eggs that've been know all over the place and and it's linked to other films not just for pixar but it's it mm. kind of paying an homage to the really beautiful movies from Sand kubrick and uh, other yeah. filmmakers and uh, as a filmmaker now you realize that's great you, you realize that these are not just this is like uh, a letter of love to those movies to those you know creators before yeah. them you know uh, so it's a good way to. I do that right now. Like sometimes we in my in my writing, I put something like an homage to, like say something for David Fincher, something like for yeah, Stanley I... Kubrick. It, it's just small details that you want to pay a respect. And I think this is what they want to do. But for them in a Toy Story, I think it's much more psychological. Like, okay, what's real going on? Is it? Is it? going to be something related to the family with the shining so you kind of you have they want to let you go on a on a high wire like you just yeah. want to think about it. like what's the conspiracy behind this? yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like that and i love how they do it and uh, even if there's nothing it's just like they triggered that interest in you like what's the story behind it and you want to watch the second one thinking that there is some kind of connection you know, sure, and don't it, know. <laughs> yeah, that's the thing. But all of all of it, those you get, you get these films. A lot of films these days will include Easter eggs and things like that. And they're yes, homage and things like that, all completely valid. But I feel like every little Easter egg in in this film contributes to something. It contributes, yes. you know. For example, the carpet from The Shining. It contributes to the feeling that all is not well in that house. You look at the yeah. contrast between Andy's room and Sid's room. You know, that it's, it's, Andy's room is very neat, it's very tidy, it's light, it's bright, it's airy. Contrast that to Sid's room. Oh, and you get that at one point, you know, when Woody and Buzz are trying to get over on the, on the lights. You get that contrast. It's the same room, but it's just kind of flipped, I think, anyway. It may not be exactly the same room, but, but the point being, it's kids of rough, a similar age, maybe Sid's a little bit older, um, with very, very different. And I think, and it all feeds in to this idea that, of the villain. And Sid being yes. a villain, and you know, yes. the movie's only good as as good as its villain. So let's look at Sid. And so I have a I have a question for you now: Is Sid dark villain, hideous, terrifying child, or is he misunderstood, neglected, um, and didn't actually? I mean, I'm kind of layering the the answer I'm looking for on this, mm. but the you know. Mm. He didn't. He didn't know those those toys were alive for goodness' sake, and people are made to think he's evil. What do you, What do you think? What's your thing? I think I, th I think it's much more that he's been neglected. It, I think there's an issue like family issues, so that's why he's acting 
as he is. And uh, along the, the other films, we realize that he's grown up and he's changing his behavior. He's becoming much more better. And I think one of the scenes, like I think it's a story three, mm-hmm. uh, when he's working as a garbage man and, and he yeah. finds one of the toys, so he take it and take care of it uh, and give it to another kid. So that means that he is developing. He is changing. He is not the, the boy anymore because he got out of that bad environment that he was living in so that by like his house was a bad influence on him that's why he's treating these toys bad way or because he's jealous from andy having all these good toys so it it, it, you know from a children's perspective that's understandable and we've been in there and I, i have people coming in my house who are when they saw my toys you know have my action figures it's not very common to have action figures back in in the days because I actually brought them from the, from the states, mm-hmm. so I realized when they were playing with it, they, it's it's almost like they want to break them because they're just they don't have that. So I have to take care of them. I, I'm just sitting next to him, watching him playing with it. Once he's done, I just take it and put it back uh, on the stand. So, but I understand where they're coming from. I understand why this is happening, and it's human nature. You know, it's human nature, uh, envy, jealousy. It's, yeah. it's 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 a kid's things. You know, and um, I don't think he is bad as nature, but I think it's the environment. Like, and this is like when you go to criminals, are they bored criminals or are they, is, is it nurture or nature? So it's, it's a psychological and also uh, mental issues that happens with the characters uh, that forces them to do this. And yeah. everything in the end comes to the parents. How are they treating them? Uh, I think with said, I think it's he's having a really bad experience with his parents, and that's why he's acting as it is. It's it's the opposite of Andy's parents. They're sure. really good, well, and again, and they're cool, and they don't have any kind of issues with him. So, yeah, absolutely, and and it is, it, but it's so it's all there in the writing, and it's all there in the nuance mm-hmm. of this stuff. And I think there is a big theme that runs through this, which is depth to depth yes. to characters and depth to things like that. Sid's toys, for example, who have been uh, you know, you could make an argument for horrifyingly mistreated. Um, they have been yes. taken apart and put back together and things like that. You know, it's awful. It's absolutely horrifying. That Woody calls them cannibals and he's, oh God, get away from me, you cannibals, you can't eat my friend, all this, that, and the other. And then they mm. and then they put Buzz's arm back on. And and actually they're mm. they're all right. They 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 just look a bit scary. And you know that that message I think is is kind of continued through uh through Sid's Sid's kind of thing as well. He he doesn't know. He doesn't know any better and there's and there are problems there that um at home and things like that as you as you quite rightly said. Um and there's jealousy and there's elements of that there. Um but it's very very clear that he is not an all bad guy. Now you compare that yes. to something of the same era like The Lion King. And you have, you know, same same adjacent company. Um, mm. Pixar was Disney at that time, but you know they're obviously a different mm. different area. Um, Scar is just a bad dude. Like he's, you know, he's not given. He's giving very very fragile motivation for the things he does. You know, um, jealousy. I think is actually one of those. And you know, he yes. he is. There's not a lot you can do with Scar to redeem him. There's not a lot you can do with Ursula to redeem her. You know these these kind of this this golden age of Disney, the villains are compelling. Um, oh no, sorry, the villains are the villains are great in 
in the fact that they are terrifying and they are scary and they are good at being villains, but I don't think they are that compelling in a way that no. Sid is is compelling. Yes. And I think that again, to you know, to to really praise this film started a trend of really compelling, layered, deep villains that are uh, that allow in, in these kids' films and in the quote unquote yes. kids' films, because I watch this now quite happily, but the, <laughs> but you know, I, I think it I think it's really interesting and I think those small details um make a huge difference there in in the way exactly. they come together. I agree. I agree with you. And I think like when you were talking about this uh, this point, I remember uh the Christopher Nolan's films, like when we see their villains, they're really compelling and and but you understand why they become who they become, you know. We understand why they they are that evil because something happens, you know. It's, I think Bane's story is much more clear for everyone and like why he becomes this. So we understand where he's coming from and why he have all this anger, all this hatred to society, especially the higher ups, and how he's trying to do a revolution. So. We understand why he's doing it. Yes, we're not sympathizing with him, but we understand that if he was in a better situation, he will never be like like now, like like what he's doing. So I think this is the first time we see something different about the the uh, the antagonist, uh, you know, uh, and how they are not your pure evil, just doing it for you know for evil, like Scar and and Orzel or anyone. From Disney's kind of uh, villains, but now there's a sh- shift, some kind of way that we kind of sympathize with with, uh, with the antagonist more. Yeah. Understand, trying to understand him, not like under- just trying to understand him more, and uh, understand the uh, the motivation that caused him to do this. Um, so yeah, it's a good study. I think uh, if someone wants, you know, anyone in the screenwriting department or even in screenwriting when I learn, I think this is a good way to have a case study on the characters for Toy Story. Because and and just take them all the way to the Toy Story 4, you will see the entire arc how it's actually becoming and how the characters are developing as well. Like when you say that characters still live even after you finish the movie, they're still living, you know. This is what I I have in mind. And like they were living before us and they were living after this film. It's just we're watching a small piece of their life yeah. in this one one and a half hour, ninety minutes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a little moment. Yeah, you're right. It's, it's a, a little moment there, and and actually the 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 writing of the, the the. I mean, we made the point to begin with. It's the writing of these characters and and the way they are mm-hmm. delivered that keeps people coming back to to these things. Yes, it's cool to see talking toys. Yes, it's exciting to see an etch sketch draw a gun really quickly and you know pretend to be in a shootout with a cowboy yeah it's cool to see a a slightly wimpy dinosaur all these things are cool and they're fun and they're interesting but none of them stand up unless the characterization is correct and i think that is the i think we've covered pretty well there that that is the the real strength of this this film and i would argue also the the subsequent movies as well these are this is why but also pixar as a company and you know its characterization as well as the the beautiful, and it is very beautiful, the beautiful computer yeah. design and the uh, the you know the design of these characters and things like that. It's um it's a it's a good thing. 
also don't forget that uh the voice behind it is a huge huge impact mm. like without the voice acting being very very professional and very yeah. good i think a lot of the elements will be lost uh, because those actors added so much depth also to the characters and if you see behind the scenes like something about how they make the first toy story it was like hell just going yeah, and, sh- yeah, and yeah. trying to do it like i was listening to tom hanks and he was saying like uh, every every line i'm doing it 17 different times 17 times with different ways of variation uh, just no just saying no he said it like went in a rampage like saying it how many times no uh so that's how they did it but i think along the way they kind of got to the process yeah. um Choosing the voice acting, especially for animation, is a huge, huge. Either you fail or you're succeeding. Yeah. Um, I think they did a very, very beautiful job with this one. And with every Pixar movie, I think they actually have a good casting director for this voice casting director yeah. for that. And um, yeah, I mean, uh, if we say Kevin Conroy. Uh, for the Batman. Everyone knows that he is the voice of Batman, like yeah, the animated cool. series. I grew up on that. I was in the States at that time. So anyone say, every, everyone who, when I listen to animation, Batman, it's always Kevin Conrad. That's yeah. it. There's nothing like now, even I remember there's a, an interview uh, with uh, Ben Affleck, and he was asking Kevin Conroy, would Batman do this? Say oh, this, wow. he said, he will never say that in this yeah. way. He will say it this way. He said, I am living as Batman. I think there's uh, also in Teen Titans, no, not the Teen Titans, there's uh, one of the films that they actually put, I think Teen Titans, the the anime, the uh, the uh, TV series, they brought Cameron Car- as the Batman. Oh, so, really? It's like... It, uh, like Bruce Wayne, yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it was really great to see him. That's really cool. So, uh, yeah, you're right. They, you amazing, know, they, amazing, amazing thing to see the voices. It's just yeah. huge, huge impact. Yeah. You know, because we have also an Arabic version, and it's really bad. Oh, really? So that's why I'm telling oh, wow. Yeah, it is. And it's been done in an Egyptian way, like Egyptian accent. Oh. Uh, people love, love to hear it because we always see Egyptians as funny. But for me, it's taking so much of the characters. Really? Uh, yeah. Okay. You, you need to see something different in a different accent or a different language so you can understand how depth the character used to be. And now when you see them in a different language, how sure. they lost so much of their essence. Um, so a, a voice acting is a huge, huge major breakup or make it. Yeah. You know? um, yeah. No, that's that's so true and so, and so well put as well. It's, a, it's so crucial in this. And yeah, Pixar, Pixar do it brilliantly. Um, and uh, it is a... Yeah, these these characterization they they live and die on. But I suppose that's the thing, isn't it? You can have the best written character in the world, but if you deliver it in a terrible way, it just doesn't really, you know, it's not going to stand up. So that's there you go. Exactly. There's, your, there's your case study in terms of the importance <laughs> of a, a voice talent to <laughs> to make your script fly. That's that's really interesting. We should uh, we should chat more on that in the future. If um and uh, and maybe have a have a chat about the way different um different voices do different things for different characters that'd be really interesting um but for now yeah i have to ask you a really important question it's a really <laughs> important question does toy story 
belong in the script department vaults hidden inside Andy's slightly beaten up toy chest. I think we'll make it like a gold script, to be honest. Uh, yeah, I would love to have it, to read and, and own it, but I will never do anything to it. Like, I will never add any, because it's already been done perfectly. I don't think we can add more on it. If there's anything we will do is just the animation, make it much more developed. But let's just not forget that it's 1995. So technology wasn't that much. Like, they're getting into the 3D. Now they're well immersed in, into the 3D. They're making huge, huge movies with beautiful 3Ds. Uh, but uh, I think that's the only issue with me and is that when you watch it right now in 2022 and yeah. it's 1995, you will, and you see yeah. so many animation films. Okay, um, well, yeah. there was a lag here. There were, like The walking was really funny. It's not really, it was creepy kind of way, but... Other than that, the story was perfect. The characters were well-developed. Yeah. And, uh, I, you know... And, and, and the, the view, uh, you'd say it goes in, the keep it safe forever in the script department. Yes. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, and, I'll, I'll, and it should be taught, I mean, in schools and in, in film schools and all in universities because this is a very good way. You can take it as a character case study. You can take it as emotional case study for adults and children, and you can take it as and dissect it as a story in general, like how it's been written as a story. Uh, so you have these all these elements. Then we can go into dissecting the voices, the animation, you know, how it's been done. And, but this is much more technical. But if we're talking about writing, this is the three elements you want to focus on. Yeah, I totally agree. It, it's, it is a near-perfect... Um... Uh, script and uh, held up brilliantly by the technical achievements and the performances. Um, it's a, it really is. This is this has its own room in the vaults. I think this has its own, uh, yes. its own special animation room. I think um, in the script department vaults. Um, look, exactly. I, I it's been a treat chatting to you about Thank this. You. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, if you are interested in any of these, we have I think about twenty of these knocking around now on the. Uh, on the nice. channel, on Spotify, Apple, places like that, so you can check them out. Next week, uh, we are going to be re-watching the very beautiful Rebecca, the original Rebecca, not the Netflix one, the original Rebecca. Uh, so tune in for that if you are interested in uh, in catching that one. Asim, it's been a treat. We'll see you soon. And to thank all you. of you, thank you for watching. Take care. Thank you. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.